What's going on, everyone? My name is Gothics. Welcome back to another episode of Subtweet This. We have another amazing episode for you today, and we are joined by Zuby, uh, the one and only rapper, entrepreneur, uh, podcaster. There's a bunch of things on there I could keep going. <laughs> uh, Zuby, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for joining us on the show. Yeah, happy to be here. I'm blessed as always. Always, always good. I try not to complain too much. <laughs> awesome, awesome, <laughs> awesome. Uh, so we we have been wanting to have you on the show for a while because uh, as we were discussing before we started recording, uh, we've, uh, at least me and Saul, have had a kind of a political awakening as in the past few months and immediately following that we were on social media trying to find other black people that kind of think or have the same mindset as us because it's so rare uh to find as cliche as it is free thinkers um mm. and so we'll actually maybe you want to lead with that first question uh that you had about the dm that you sent him because maybe we can tackle off of that yeah so i remember um i actually slid in your dms a while ago when this all um when this all happened and um i remember i talked about um you know that just because of kind of like our political awakening like now we're just more in the in the, in the middle because both of our families lean very hard democrat mm -hmm. and uh when we started having this new way of thinking that this new viewpoint that we were losing friends left and right and i remember i asked you a message like is this something that you ever dealt with and how did you deal with it? And you told me that you've always been like this, that you've always had these opinions. So I remember my my question with this is, you know, at what point did your opinions become problematic? Because you've always had them. So <laughs> what, what, what was that point? That, that's a funny question. I mean, uh, firstly, I don't really think my opinions are problematic. I think it's in the weird echo chamber of an echo chamber that is Twitter and perhaps wider social media. And with the way that the world has shifted over the past decade in particular, I think that combined with me just gaining a much bigger audience and much bigger presence and also myself becoming more outspoken about things I used to talk about in private and everyone in my friends and family were totally aware of my views and opinions on various things. But um, I used to keep that off Twitter, especially as a musician. I thought, you know, let me not rock the boat. Let me not polarize people. Let me not put out anything that could, you know, uh, offend certain people or whatever. And then I just reached a stage as time has gone on and I've gotten older and I've become more successful where I just started caring less and less about that. And things started shifting in such a peculiar direction on various aspects that I felt morally and ethically compelled to start speaking publicly about some various things. And it turned out that when I did that, that was when my sort of audience growth and trajectory on social media sort of hockey sticked upwards. I mean, I've been on all these platforms for a decade plus. And then in 2019, when I started to become 2018, 2018, 2019, started to become a bit more vocal about this stuff. And my audience just grew very significantly. Um, the amount of people who I mean, I'm from the U UK, I'm an independent rapper from the south of England, I mean, but the amount of people who know me now in the USA all over the world now is just insane. Any city I go to UK, US, wherever, I get stopped, people recognize me. And it, you know, when that used to happen, it used to always be because of my music, but now it's for everything. You know, I'll get people stopping me saying, hi, I saw you on the Candace Owens show. I saw you on Ben Shapiro. I saw you on Joe Rogan. I saw you on this. I saw you on that. I heard this song. And so it's really grown and the demographic is so wide now. I mean, I'll get stopped by a 60 year old white guy, white English guy <laughs> in town here. And then I'll be in the States and you know, I'm, I'm in Atlanta. Um, I went to A3C hip hop festival. 
in 2019. And I had people there who'd seen me on Joe Rogan. I had people there who'd seen me on uh, Ben Shapiro, a lot of people who'd seen me on Candace Owens, et cetera. So it's just really, really interesting to see how far that spreads. And also how many people were like, yo, keep doing like, I love what you're doing. Keep, keep talking. And, th and that really goes across all different demographics, age groups, uh, races, ethnicities, just, just all over. Even people who don't necessarily uh, even agree with a lot of my stuff, they still are like, yo, I love that. I, you know, I don't agree with everything you say, but I love the fact that you say it and you're bold and you're courageous and, and you make sense, right? You're not just trying to sort of be a firebrand and antagonize everybody, but you're saying something and then actually are willing to have the conversation. You know, I'm always open to conversation, debate, challenge, agree, disagree, whatever. You know, I love conversation and I think we need more of it. Oh, totally. I, I totally agree with you. And uh, so I'm curious, when you started getting approached in public and people started recognizing you, did it catch you off guard? Were you ever like, whoa, this is weird. Somebody recognizes me online because it recently happened to me with one person mm. and my brain immediately started processing. Is this person a threat? Like I'm trying to figure <laughs> it out. So uh, has it like been OK for you as far as that goes? It it's been totally fine because honestly, it's been happening to some degree since 2006. Oh, I mean, wow. I put out my first, I put out my first album 15 years ago. So, you know, I'm about to put out my sixth album. So here in the UK, I've always had, uh, I've always had, you know, not always, sorry. Like since I started doing music and having music videos out and a couple songs playing on radio and stuff and doing gigs, touring, et cetera. I mean, I used to be out hustling, promoting my music all the time, you know, for, for, eight, for years on end in different cities. So I've had, I already had, you know, thousands and thousands of people know who I am and that would happen from time to time. It's just that the, the volume has gone up and the, and how, how widespread it is. It used to be, um, you know, primarily teenagers and young adults who just know me through my music and, you know, just in a handful of cities in the UK, whereas now it's people of all ages. And, um, you know, I went to the States, spent 11 weeks in the States in 2019, and I was in all these places I'd never been to before new states, new cities, whatever. And in every single, every single city, I got recognized like multiple times again by just a real diverse group of people. So it's, um, it's cool, but you know, that, that, that's great. I'm not someone who sort of cares about, uh, fame or celebrity for the sake of it, but I want to impact a lot of people in a positive way in some shape or form through my music, my writing, my art, my social media, et cetera. So for me, it's, it's, a uh, it's a great thing when that happens because it's like, okay, cool. It's one thing seeing numbers going up on these platforms and saying, oh, wow, I got, you know, 300, 380,000 Twitter followers. I got, you know, 110,000 Instagram. But when you actually meet people in the real world, when you see people in the real world, it sort of hits, hits that much harder because it puts a face to it. It's not, it's not just numbers. It's like, okay, cool. Like people are really paying attention to what I'm doing here. Yeah. You're making an impact. Okay. Yeah. Dope. So did you, um, did you get, you got started with music? Was that like the first part of your entrepreneurship journey? Uh, yeah. I mean, unless you want to go back to my teenage years when I was like running import export from like you from Saudi Arabia to the UK during my boarding school years, oh. selling like watches and Timberland boots and stuff like that. <laughs> um, I've, I've always had an entrepreneurial streak. My, my, my friends actually find it funny because those who have known me for a really long time, remember that even school in school, I was like, always selling stuff in school and whatever. But in the way it is now, yeah, it all started with music. Um, released my first album when I was still in university um, and sold a couple thousand copies of that off my own back. And that was the spark for it. I've now been, you know, I after university, I released a second album, did music full time for one year, 
Then I moved uh, to London. I worked in the corporate world, actually as a management consultant for three years, worked for quite a lot of big companies there. And then um, November 2011, I took the big leap. I left my corporate job and I've been self-employed now for almost 10 years. That's that's a dope. Oh, that's that's dope. We're, uh, so that's a that is a leap that uh, I find a lot of people are afraid to do. And it's, well, it's mm. one that I had to hype myself up to do because I was very miserable working in corporate America. Uh, do you have any advice for someone that is trying to take that leap? Yeah, um, qu quite a bit, actually. So I don't recommend people making a leap that's going to put them back on ground zero. Mm. Right. So in my case, by the time I went full time with my music, I already had two albums and one EP out there. I already had a following. I'd already done uh, two UK tours. I, I had thousands of social media followers, et cetera. And I was already making money from my music. So I would recommend to make sure you're already doing what it is you want to be doing and you're already earning an income from it. Mm -hmm. And then when that is coming up, then you can sort of make that leap. So if you imagine if you're jumping from platform to platform, you don't want to sort of jump from here right down to the ground. But if this one is coming up and then when it's, you know, there, you can you can make that jump. Um, so that's one thing I recommend. And then also, you know, be honest with yourself. Be very, very honest with yourself about what you're doing. Make sure it's not simply a delusion because it's one thing to have an idea or have a dream, but it's another thing to run a business. It's another thing to think about making money, being self-employed. Doing music as a hobby is very, very different to doing music as a career. Totally different mindset. So many different things you have to think about. Um, and so make sure you actually want to do it. There's nothing wrong with doing something as a hobby. Not everything does have to be a full-time job. Um, and then with the last thing, with that said, you want to, it, it shouldn't, it should almost be like, you feel like you have to do it. Does that make sense? Right? Yeah. Like if you, if there's that much yeah. fear and trepidation, et cetera, then maybe you're not built for it. Maybe it's not the right thing, or maybe it's not the right time and that's okay. You have to be very, very honest with yourself. In my case, it was not a hard decision at all. It wasn't, it wasn't a hard decision at all. I was like, you know, January, 2011, I was like, okay, by the end of this year, I'm going to be a full-time musician, period, done. Um, no, no debate. It was in my head. It was like, I want to get a promotion. And then once I've got a promotion, I'm going to go like, and I'm going to go, I'm going to buy a van. I'm going to put my name on it. It's going to be purple and I'm going to drive it all around the country and I'm going to promote and sell my music. And that is exactly what I've done. <laughs> and it's exactly what I did. But in my case, it wasn't, it wasn't a hard decision at all. It was like in my heart of hearts, I knew, I knew what I wanted to be doing. Um, and it was just a matter of pulling the trigger. It's fascinating because with your advice and your explanation right there, I didn't hear anything about the white man holding you back. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's, I, the, that's weird, man. God bless all the white men who have <laughs> helped me, man. The amount of white men who have helped me in my life. Good grief. That, that's a billion times as many who has ever even tried to hold me down. Um, no, nah, man, I, 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 uh, that's, that's moot to me, man. If it weren't, if it weren't for white people, I wouldn't have a career period. <laughs> <laughs> let's be, let's so, be real here. Let's be honest. And I don't, so, and I don't so think I'm reverse. I don't think that's the only rapper who that's true for either. That's damn right. <laughs> yeah. Let's be real. They let's be real. Admit it, but they don't damn. Let's right. be real, man. Come on. So actually that, that might be able to lead me into this question over here because you did mention you went to Oxford and, uh, 
a few, uh, was it like a month or few, uh, two months ago? I'm not sure. There was something, uh, some news out of Oxford where some professors were proposing that sheet music be banned because it had racist ties to slavery or something like that. Uh, they were, <laughs> your eyes are bugging right now. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't, I didn't hear this one. I didn't hear this one. Yeah. So there are some, uh, some articles coming out debunking this, that, you know, these professors never said this, but in any case, I have been noticing a lot of, uh, rhetoric where racism is kind of found in all aspects of media and entertainment and things like that. Mm. Uh, so I want to know, how do you feel about this constant performative activism that we're seeing where, you know, everything from uh, a syrup bottle to you know something <laughs> in Dr. Seuss is racist. What do you feel about this environment we're uh, living on, in? Uh, man, I feel a lot. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> On the biggest level, on the biggest level, I'll be real, and I, I don't actually think I've ever explained it this way. The thing that actually annoys me the most about all of this stuff is it's a gigantic distraction from what actually matters. That's actually that's actually the thing that irritates me the most out of all this nonsense. When it's like, you know, outrage over this, over outrage over, and then and then this sort of false outrage creates reactionary outrage. Right. So nobody was bothered by Aunt Jemima pancake syrup. Right. Uh, you, I mean, you, you guys are the black Americans. Let me not speak for you, but I, I assume that black, I assume that black Americans were not, you know, deeply upset over Aunt Jemima pancake syrup having a black woman on it. In, in fact, I think quite the opposite from what I gathered. I never saw anyone. I never saw anything, any sort of outrage about that. I think that was totally manufactured. But then by them doing that, it then creates this reactionary sort of outrage to the false outrage. Whereas now people like myself and perhaps like yourself are like, oh my gosh, like, what are they doing? Why are they canceling Aunt Jemima? Why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? And it's all a huge, huge, huge distraction from things that are legitimately important. There are genuinely important things going on in all of our countries, around the world, et cetera, whether regardless of someone's political orientation, actually, there are a lot of issues that 90% plus of people actually agree on. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like, let's why don't we do something about human trafficking? Why don't we do something about like child abuse? Let's do something about poverty. Let's do something about like, right. There's all these things that do matter. What about, you know, corruption going on in the government, corruption in the media, the fact that we've been we've been uh, had our rights stripped from us and been, and been locked at home across the world for the past 14 months. Like, how can, can we talk about this? Right. And so all of this manufactured outrage, whether it's Mr. Potato Head or it's um I don't need, there's been so many silly ones Paw Patrol Aunt Jemima uh, there was another ben. Uncle Ben's Uncle like all all of this stuff where where it's like it, it sort of comes out of thin air I, again I'm not in the states but I, I've never I know a lot of Black Americans I've I've never had anyone I've never come across anyone who was like man like this this Uncle Ben guy like we need to we need to remove this we need to remove all the black representation <laughs> from food items right like and it's also very hypocritical of course because on one hand people are saying hey we want more representation and then it's like okay so let's like cancel all of these <laughs> let's cancel all of these people who are actually i, I don't know but right again it's it's a distraction and you this shows how effective it is right the fact that it's even part of this conversation now right um so people then get caught up in this and there's all this back and forth back and forth and all the bad stuff that's actually going on it kind of keeps on going on because people then get lost in the weeds of all of this other nonsense. And I do genuinely think with so many things, so many issues, people get caught in the weeds. Mm. 
-hmm. people get emotional and they get caught in the weeds and the focus is always on the division and the differences rather than the things that people actually agree on. Um, whether someone is like, I'm someone who I don't really like to label myself politically, but I guess literally from my childhood, I guess you could always say I've been on the political right. Like I'm not someone who's shifted. I've just, it's always been what makes sense to me. Even before I was thinking about politics, I guess if you polled me on different things, I would have come more conservative kind of leaning. And as I've gotten older, I've become more libertarian. Um, but it's just like, you know, the divide and conquer has always been the way, has always been a way to manipulate and dominate people. Always, always black versus white men versus women, uh, straight versus LGBT X, Y, Z. Um, you know, now you have maskers versus non-maskers, people who want to take the vax versus people who don't pro lockdown people versus anti lock like everything. It's always just division, 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 division. And it, people, people get caught up in the weeds. Um, to give a great example, actually, especially pertinent over the past year is, um, you know, the, this whole debate between, uh, okay, not talking about the organization here, because that's a different thing, the whole Black Lives Matter thing, and people are getting caught up in Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter, right? Like, just, just the statements. And, you know, people are having huge debates about, you know, this person says All Lives Matter, this person gets angry and says, no, Black Lives Matter. This person says, yeah, Black Lives Matter, but All Lives Matter. And they're, they're literally arguing about this in semantics. Yeah. It's like, you're, you're saying the same thing. Right. Right. <laughs> right. No, nobody disagrees. Nobody disagrees that black lives matter as a statement. Right. Nobody disagrees. And nobody disagrees with the statement. All lives matter. Right. Like unless you're a psychopath. Well, some people everyone, do disagree with it. Yeah. 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 Maybe a tiny, a tiny percentage. But generally we you all everyone agrees with that. Republican, Democrat, liberal, centrist, conservative. Everyone's like, yeah, we don't want like people dying, like people getting killed regardless of their skin color, like we don't, you don't want innocent people getting killed, period. Right. We all agree. Cool. Agreed. Police brutality is a bad thing. Nobody wants police brutality, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not seeing people out there like saying, yeah, we want more police brutality or people like, yeah, we want more racism or yeah, we want more. No, no one is saying that. So that's going on, but pe people are almost acting as if people are. And so there's this, all this arguing, arguing, arguing on the semantics. And I'm kind of like looking from a distance and I'm kind of like, you guys are kind of, you guys are actually saying the same thing. Like you think you're, you think you're opponents. It's been framed as if you're opposition, but you're, you're not. Now you might have different ideas about the best way to, about the, the severity of the problem or the degree to what causes it or what some of the solutions could be, et cetera. But actually at the core, everybody wants less police brutality. Everybody wants less racism. Everybody wants less innocent people dying and being harmed and so on and so forth. So if people can kind of like chill out for a second on the emotions and have those conversations, then they'll realize, okay, maybe this person prefers to put, say it this way. <laughs> this person prefers to say it that way. But um, there's a lot more in common than there is in division. And so I try to, you know, speak, speak to everybody and try to just, uh, yeah, just, just be, just be real on these things, you know, just, just, just be real, be genuine, be, be honest. And I, I do my best not to like, I have my own biases and my own leanings, of course, but I try not to be like, so partisan that it becomes a stage where I'm, you know, just trying to fight for a certain team or I'm being dishonest in what I'm saying, or I'm d outright denying certain <laughs> facts because they don't fit my agenda so on and so forth. And I, I think if more people could do that and adopt that, then actually the temperature would just come down quite a lot and people would 
actually find some solutions rather than just arguing in circles all the time. Yeah, I used to, <clears throat> with me, at least now, I totally agree when it comes to the emotional aspect. I feel like it's just been exacerbated, especially with the lockdowns. Yes. And that's, it's just done nothing but the worst. That kind of like segues into what I want to, when I want to talk about in regards to that, because I know that that behavior is definitely what's with the shift in culture that we've been seeing, especially a lot more now. And um, I know that you, you know, with you being an advocate for like physical fitness and health, why do you think in the beginning of COVID when there was no vaccine that there wasn't a push how to strengthen people's immune system? You talked about, you know, with people being more emotional, I, I, I only think of that with people having, you know, vitamin D deficiency, which would definitely mm. help out with that because you're stuck inside. You're not getting sunlight with you not taking magnesium, which will also help out your mood. So it's just these things that could help to counter that. Why do you think in the beginning that wasn't advertised instead be in your house, maybe even wear a mask in your house as well? Yeah, honestly, this goes back decades. And this is that the government doesn't care about you more than you do. And mm -hmm. you, these things shouldn't necessarily, you know, your health is your responsibility. Um, this goes way back, way, way before COVID. I mean, remember the, remember the food pyramid? Um, yeah. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, you know, having like, I have 12 servings of carbs and grains and, you know, just like a little bit of meat and a little bit, that the whole thing was backwards. But, um, you know, the truth there, I think there's multiple things. I think number one, the government does not. And never has truly cared about people's health and well-being, right? Um, I don't know how many examples we need to go through for that to get through to people. And th this is just the nature of government. And when I say when I say government, I'm not even talking about every single individual person in the government, right? I do think that there are politicians out there. I do know people who are politicians personally. And I think most people mean well, but I just think the nature of government and even the role of government and the scope of what I think the government should be, that's not thats not even its job as far as I'm concerned. I think if it's going to be ex exist and be as big as it is, then of course they should be um, at least be doing that as a minimum. But honestly, it comes back to the, the personal responsibility thing for me. And I can only control what I eat. I can only exercise for myself. I can only like sleep as many hours as I sleep, drink as much water as I like. All of these things are are totally down to the individual, um, and so I think it's uh, I think it's twofold in terms of why they didn't do it. I think number one, um, yeah, they just don't really care. Like you being healthy is not really a top priority, and um, also you know you've got links with I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but you know you've got the links with big pharma and certain food elements of the food industry, etc. And so actually, if um, if Americans got really, really fit and healthy across the board, then that's kind of bad for business for a lot of people, right? It's not, it's not good for certain people's business interests, right? There's a multi, multi-billion, if not trillion dollar industry reliant on people being fat, people being sick, um, even people, you know, not being particularly financially literate so, and so on and so forth. So my view and part of why I lean libertarian in the way that I do is just a general, distrust of the government. I think that the government sucks at most things apart from collecting money and pointing guns at people. If you want money collected or you want guns aimed at people, government is fantastic for that. Anything else, education, um, healthcare, 
you know, advice on this kind of policy, all this kind of stuff. Like, I just do not trust that the government is going to make better decisions than most people do. I care about my health more than the government does. I care about my family's health more than the government does, et cetera. So it makes more sense to me to do those things individually, right? Not to constantly be looking towards the government. And then, and then second fold, I think the other one comes to another interesting cultural aspect, which is that people prefer, people prefer, um, how would I say it? Number one, people are like averse to just things that are difficult, right? People take the path of least resistance. Why is obesity such a big problem? It's because it's easier to just eat junk food and not exercise than it is to watch what you eat and eat nutritious food and to exercise. That's, that's what it is. You know, it's, it's not that complicated. Most human beings will take the path of least resistance in virtually everything. It takes a certain mindset to be like, okay, you know what? I don't just want to be average. I don't want to just be mediocre in whatever it is. Um, I'm going to do the work to improve myself in this regard. And then also I think because obesity is this taboo topic, right? It's this taboo topic where you're, you know, you've got the whole body positivity movement and people are calling everything fat shaming, et cetera. It's like obesity is one of those topics where it's really hard for people to just be like frank and honest about because it hurts people's feelings. Right. And we live in a time where people's feelings is more important than facts. And when it comes to something like health and it comes to life and death and it comes to illness and sickness, this is where you need to keep it real. Right. I mean, we already know besides age, what is the biggest comorbidity for for this virus. We've known for over a year, obesity, obesity, right? Look, look around the world. How come not, not a single country in Africa has been hit hard by this virus? Not one. The one that's been hardest hit is the one with the highest obesity rate, South Africa, right? But across the board, they've all fared well. It's not because of governmental policies. It's not because they've done some magic thing. It's not because they have amazing healthcare systems. It's because people are generally young and are, you know, in at a healthy body weight. Why has the UK been hit hard? High obesity rate. Why has the USA been hit hard? High obesity rate. I think something like 80% of the people hospitalized um, have been overweight or obese. And so just me saying that like triggers some people. And I'm just like, that's just a fact. This isn't not me casting a moral judgment on somebody. And it's weird because people don't view it like that when it comes to say, I don't know, someone being a smoker or someone being a drug user, et cetera. We all acknowledge, okay, like if you're a smoker, you're putting yourself at higher risk of certain types of cancer and certain types of diseases. And, you know, you're creating comorbidities for other things. You know, if you're a drug user, you're creating these um, potential problems for yourself, et cetera. We do recognize it with other areas, but I think over the past couple of decades, we, we be, it's become so politically correct. A lot of things have become so politically correct that they've actually become very, very destructive and dangerous. Um, you know, there's a difference between, there's a difference between poli being polite and just lying to people. You know, lying and lying always has consequences, especially, especially on a large scale. So I think, uh, I think that's why, uh, I think that, that was quite a long witted answer touching on a lot of things, but I think that's why they, um, they didn't put that information out there. Um, that's what I think anyway. No, that's, uh, that's, that's actually perfect that you said that because, um, recently right now, I, I just actually started reading your book, you know, strong advice. Okay. Nice. And one, uh, one of the first things to always bring up before getting in shape that you talk about is the motivation um, and mindset. Mm -hmm. And one of the first things that you do mention is the loser mindset versus the winner mindset. 
And some of the yeah. things that you listed, you know, problem problem focused versus solution focused compares to others versus compares to previous self and blame others versus take responsibility. Do you think in, today, in today's society, after interacting with people on Twitter, that the loser mindset is being pushed more? You know, people can't take that, that, you know, hard facts, especially when you bring up obesity. Instead, they just replace it with like, no, that's body positivity to appeal to people's mm-hmm. feelings. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's a, it's a big, big, big problem, I think, in modern Western society. Political correctness, this, this might sound hyperbolic, but political correctness can kill people and it does kill people, right? Because it, pre- it prevents solutions from being found because you're not even allowed to talk about certain topics honestly. Or if you do, right, you get, you get attacked and it takes a certain type of personality and character to deal with all these attacks and insults and whatever. You know, I don't particularly enjoy being called names by random strangers online or having my inbox and mentions being flooded by people who are yelling at me and calling me names and whatever. And, you know, a lot of people can't, fortunately, I have a personality type where I can deal with that. And most of it just rolls off of me, but a lot of people don't. And so they don't want to step into that fray. But when it comes to a lot of issues, man, even if you're talking about like violence, you know, violence in certain areas and certain communities or certain problems that exist within certain areas or countries or cities or whatever it is, it's so hard. Like nobody wants to just be real about it. Nobody wants to be honest because they're afraid of of harming people. Right. So if you want to talk about, okay, in the UK, there's a knife, there's a knife crime problem in the USA. There's, there's also a knife crime problem, but there's a gun crime problem, right? There are certain issues and certain patterns and certain problems and people get so emotional about them that they don't want to talk about some of the elephants in the room, right? So if you're looking at some of this violence that's happening in certain areas of the UK, certain areas of the USA, et cetera, there are certain, there are certain patterns that are happening, right? Most people don't even want to just like even accept that, okay, um, you know, like it's totally cool to, you know, if a, if a, it's very trendy, you know, if a, if a police officer, a white police officer kills a black person, you know, it happens more, way more in the USA than it does in the UK. But if it happens, then we know, we know the level of the response. Okay. But the amount, but if like, you know, a black person, like a thousand black people are killed by other black people, it's kind of quiet. That doesn't generate as much outrage as that one other single one, like I now I recognize the policeman as an agent of state. This is one of my big criticisms of of the Black Lives Matter as a movement because I'm like, why are you focusing on zero point zero point I don't know say say zero point zero one percent of the issue? So if there are like you know in in a given year, I'm I'm gonna take these 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 stats aren't like totally wrong, but I'm gonna like I don't know them off the top of my head exactly. But let's say in a single year, you may have say 20 unarmed black people killed by police officers in the entire USA, 330 million people, right? And then you might have 5,000 black people killed by other black people. All of the focus is on the former and not the latter. But I'm like, hey, wait, isn't this thing called Black Lives Matter? I agree with that statement. We all agree with that statement. So why, why why is all the focus on that? Like, we should even be talking about obesity. Right. We should be talking. What's the biggest killer of black Americans? I believe it's it's heart disease, I think. Yeah. Cancer or yeah. heart disease. Right. Mm-hmm. So why aren't we talking about that? Right. Let's talk about diet. Let's talk about exercise. Let's talk about crime in communities. Let's talk about fatherless homes. Let's talk about let's talk about all of these different factors. But it's like people get really jacked up when you bring those up. 
even though those are the things that you actually need to discuss and remedy. Because if you can't even talk about them, right? If you can't even talk about them, if you can't even talk about fatherlessness, um, not just amongst black people, by the way, like just in general in society, if you can't talk about that because people deem it as like an attack, say you're, it's, it's an attack on single mothers or it's an attack on everything's viewed as an attack. And I'm like, this is not a, an attack. We're just saying like, yo, okay, look, look at these trends. Look at these trends. Look at this situation. Look at these percentages. So what's going on here? Like, wh why is this happening? Let's look at the root of the problem. People want to talk about, oh, we need to, people are talking about like how many guns, how many, sorry, how many bullets are allowed in a magazine or what sort of gun this is or what, like in the UK, people are talking about, oh, maybe you should ban knives past a certain length or you should make it a little, like we all have knives. We've all got kitchens. All of us have knives, right? The, the pro knives don't jump out and start stabbing people by themselves. The problem isn't that we, the problem isn't access to knives because we have knives in the USA. You have more guns than people, but 99.9% .9 of people who own a gun have never murdered anybody. So the problem isn't simply the tool, but they, they just want to focus on all these things rather than looking at the core because the real true problem, the, the core of all this stuff, if you're talking about violent crime, the core is somebody wants to cause physical harm to another human being and then they're going out and doing that. So that's a much harder problem to solve, but, that, but that's what it is because the truth is if you want to do harm to somebody, we all have lots of tools at our disposal to be able to do so. Like we, we all do. I mean, you, you've got fists to begin with, right. but we, you've, you've got vehicles right? You've got vehicles, you've got knives, you've got baseball bats, you've got all kinds of weapons, even here in the UK, where, where it's you no know, harder to get a gun, you, you've still got access to all sorts of weapons. So it's not, the problem is, okay, why are there, why are there people in society who reach a level where they want to even go out and do that? What's mm -hmm. happened in that person's life? How were they raised? What happened? Like, what can we do as a society to better that? But to me, that's like the real conversation. But again, people are getting distracted with um trying to sort of deal with the oh uh, just stuff that doesn't matter you know like right. uh, you know i do keep an eye on the us and you know i hear them talking about you know gun control this and we need to do this and, th and i'm just like ah, that's not going to do anything man like, it's not going to do anything and if you even look at the patterns of the 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 gun crime the places that already have the tightest restrictions have the most violent have the most gun crime so the correlation isn't even what um what what someone may think it is. You you may think, okay, the tighter the restrictions, the less gun crime you're going to get. But you look and you see, okay, it's actually the opposite. So to me, as a, a rational, critical thinker, you're like, okay, well, that's clearly, it's clearly not that simple, mm -hmm. right? It's it's more multifaceted than that. Just like we've been having this whole virus thing going, going on for more than a year now. And you've seen there's no correlation between um, the mask mandates and the lockdowns and the numbers of deaths per 100,000 or per million, right? There's, there's no correlation, but people are just want to run like, so no, we need more lockdowns. We need more lockdowns. We, we need two masks now. We need all. And it's just like, why aren't we just having this honest conversation of like, okay, wait, hang on. We've got all this data now from <laughs> like 100 and something different countries. We, you've got data from all 50 states in the US over one year's worth of data. Texas just opened up what, like, as we record this, Texas opened up maybe five weeks ago or so. You yeah. remember everyone was everyone was freaking yeah. out about Texas opening up. They're going to be a spike. What's happened? The cases have gone down. The deaths have gone down, and they're fully open, no restrictions. But instead of looking at that and going, mm, "Okay, maybe other states should do the same thing," you know, they're still just running down this road of, "No, we just we're going to keep going with doing the wrong thing." And I don't know, man. It's um, there's just a lot of dishonesty going on, and so. With what I do and with what I try to encourage people to do when I when I'm you know 
doing these interviews or I'm on social media, et cetera, is just to have these conversations and to be, to be honest and to try to seek the truth. I mean, I think I'm just someone who very, who, who tries to seek the truth. Um, you know, whether it confirms what I already believe or it, or it challenges it, or it, it, it outright proves it wrong. Um, I just think we always need to be asking questions and digging deeper or whatever. And in a perfect world, journalists and the media would be doing that. But as we know, you know, a lot of journalists, a lot of the media now, they're essentially propaganda outlets and they are, um, you know, they're activists. They're not simply objective journalists, et cetera. So it's very hard to even get that kind of straight up information. All these questions I ask, I'm like, hey, like these are questions journalists should be asking, right? They should be the ones asking these questions and pushing these issues, et cetera. But we're in a stage where, you know, I think it's down to, it's down to people like us and down to uh, anyone with a platform, et cetera, to challenge the narrative and ask questions, especially obvious questions and to, you know, look at facts, look at data, listen to different sides, et cetera, and simply try to find the truth. Yeah, I think you just pretty much answered my question that I was going to ask you know, of what do you think we would need to do to wake people <laughs> up? Uh, because, you know, I, I'm I'm in agreement with you with a lot of the things that are happening seems a little bit too convenient as if it is a distraction from important issues. Uh, I do not believe that out of nowhere racism was the top priority globally because what a lot of Americans fail to understand is this talk about racism is happening worldwide. And mm. I find that a little bit peculiar that that happened as a result of the George Floyd incident. Uh, yes. So in, in your opinion, um, like you just said, is it just a matter of more people speaking up, more people having conversations to get people to wake out of this alternate reality we're living in? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's tricky because you know, the beauty and the curse of social media is everybody has a platform. Everybody mm -hmm. has a voice, right? And that's a wonderful thing, right? We couldn't be doing what we're doing right now without it, but a lot of people are stupid too, right? <laughs> it's millions and millions and millions of stupid people, yeah. right? And they have a, I know you're, you're not meant to say that either, right? That's, that's not PC, but it's just the truth. You know, some people are smart, some people are stupid. And, um, you know, and so, you've just got all these voices flying around everywhere. I, I do think though, we, we need to just, I think a big problem now is that people are punished for, there's a perverse incentive where we live in a time where people are punished for being honest and people are punished for telling the truth, right? You're actually incentivized to lie, right? This goes from the media to politicians to even just individuals, right? Look at all this cancel culture stuff, right? People have been canceled for literally stating facts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, how can you be canceled for stating a fact? Like, what what kind of world is that? It's so offensive. you're supposed to lie, <laughs> right? Like, so so you're incentivized to lie, and whenever you have a culture or a society where people are incentivized to lie, you're going to have problems. You know that that's led to some of the biggest atrocities of the 20th centuries. Right. People are living in this mass delusion. People know certain things are wrong, but they don't want to speak out. People know the truth, but they don't want to say it. People know that some things mm, that that's not really right, but you know they don't want to be seen as going against the grain, so they just they just go along with it. And so, to me, that's just really that's really dangerous. Um, that's really dangerous, and it can it can kind of, it it has this chilling effect, as I'm sure you all know, right? There's there's this chilling effect where I'm sure you I'm sure you guys all get people reaching out to you who are like, man, I wish I could say what you say or I wish I could do what you do or whatever, but you know, like I'm worried about this or I'm worried about that, or I don't want to get canceled or I don't want to face the mob, whatever it is. I get 
I don't know how many of these messages, thousands of them over the past two years even. Um, and that's crazy to me because we're supposed to live in two of the freest countries in the world. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like in the UK, in the USA, part of the whole point of these countries is you're supposed to have this thing called freedom of speech. Now, that doesn't mean that you you go around being horrible to people and uh, you know, just trying to, you know, you have a right to be, right? As I always say, you know, it's not illegal to be an a-hole. You can do that. Um, but that's not what most people want to do. I'm just talking about being willing to 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 voice your honest opinion, right? I mean, obviously you guys have a, have a new president now, but people could lose their job for saying that they support the president. Like, what is that? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah right. So how, how, yeah, I mean, even in this, okay, you know, Trump lost this last election, but how many votes did he get? Like 80 million or something? Roughly? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, was it 75 to 80 yeah. million. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So say 75 million. So that's not, you know, that's not some like rare <laughs> out of the line viewpoint, you know, 75 million people voted for the incumbent president. And, but so many people are like afraid to even, even say that. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's crazy. Like, you know, anyone can come out and say, yeah, hey, I voted for Joe Biden. I voted for Hillary Clinton. What? Like, you know, they can do that wherever. But I mean, how many celebrities, like I can guarantee you like a lot of celebrities voted for Trump. Mm -hmm. yeah. But how many of but how many of them would say that publicly? Never, right? Exactly. And why it's be right? And why it's because oh, you know, if you do, like you're now our pariah. And, and I'm just like, that's messed up. Like that shouldn't be the case. Whether or not I personally like a political candidate or a party or whatever, I'm like, hey, man, like if you can go on TV and say, yeah, I voted for Hillary Clinton, you should be allowed to go on TV and say, yeah, I voted for Trump, and nobody should have any sort of horrible consequences coming to them from that. Like that's and that's new too. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like that before. Yeah. It wasn't like that before. So it's 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 a bad trend. And so I would like to see more genuine tolerance. It's funny, that's actually what it is. It actually is uh, people talk a lot about tolerance and diversity and inclusion, but the people who talk about that the most tend to be the least diverse, the least tolerant, and the least inclusive people. Cause as soon as you disagree with them, then woo, you know, like you're gonna you're gonna feel that wrath. And I try to like genuinely practice those things. Like I don't throw these buzzwords around all the time, but I genuinely appreciate diversity of thought. I genuinely do try to be inclusive. I genuinely do try to be tolerant because tolerance is not uh, just talking to or being okay with and being civil with people whom you agree with on everything. By definition, that's not tolerance. That's just people agreeing with you. Tolerance is, okay, this person is of a, of a different um, ethnicity to me, or they're of a different religion, or they think differently, or they um, have a different political orientation, whatever. But you know what? that's cool. We can still get on in society. We can still even be friends with each other. We can get on with each other and be respectful, whatever. That's what tolerance is. Tolerance isn't just, okay, if you're not also um, Christian and conservative and sort of libertarian and you don't agree with me on everything, then like, we're not even cool. Like we, can, we can't even, we can't even talk, you know, that's not, that's really not the way forward at all. Um, but you've got people who are being like that. And again, you know, just look at history, look around the world. This always leads to something bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. And and I think that uh, the big emphasis on racism now has been sort of a tool to uh, encourage people to think of diversity only as far as skin color or physical attributes uh, and, and almost give, you know, embolden people to just be totally intolerant to diversity of thought, which I think is the mm. most dangerous thing. So you you mentioned that all of these things could lead to something that is is bad. Uh, can you give me some insight of what you think this could lead to if we don't turn this around? 
Wow. Well, I mean, there's stages of it. <laughs> you know, there, there, there are stages of it. Um, this is going to sound extreme, but it's not. The end stage is genocide, mm -hmm. right? That's always where it leads if it totally runs unchecked. How many countries have we seen this in? Yeah. Right. How many countries have you seen that? Right. That's literally where if you create, um, you know, an, in, uh, an us versus them mentality and look, there's no, I always I often say this. There's only three ways to solve any conflict, whether it's interpersonal or it's even between countries. OK, number one is conversation, conversation, discussion, debate, trying to understand people, trying to negotiate and reach some kind of compromise. Number two, segregation right? Separate, segregate, divorce. You go over there. I go over there. We do not interact with each other. Number two. Number three, physical violence. That's all. Those are the only three options. So when people start to close down on the first one, I get very, very nervous. It's why I get nervous about censorship, about deplatforming, about this, um, you know, hyper political correctness where you can't say this, you can't say that, you can't say, you know, cancel culture, all of that, right? Because it's like, okay, you're closing down one of those three options here. Um, and then also, we all know human beings are inherently tribal. What a lot of people even think is racism, it, it's all tribalism. It's all tribalism, right? You can go to parts of Africa, parts of Asia, parts of the Arab world, et cetera, where people, to us, to you and I, they look the same. They look the same. But the divisions between the tribes or the religions or um, you know the ethnicities are much, much deeper and much more severe than, say, between black and white Americans. And I think that's something that a lot of uh, people in the U.S. don't actually understand and appreciate, right? They Because because people have been sort of trained to think in this black and white way, very literally, right? You know, it's white and it's black. And I'm like, no, like, you're, you're not getting this. Like, you can go to, you, you can go to Nigeria and the division between two tribes in Nigeria where they look the same, right? They, these people are from the same country, right? And uh, let alone them being black, right? Of course, but not just black, they're from the same country. And those divisions are much more severe than anything that exists between say, white Americans or black Americans. You know, you can go to mm. China and see the same thing. You can see this in South America. You can see this all over. So human beings are tribal. You know, as we've been saying, people get tribal over everything. I mean, they've done experiments where they've literally just given like, given people stickers, like different colored stickers. And then like they leave them for a while and they find that the people who have the same sticker color start to like congregate, <laughs> start to <laughs> congregate together or whatever. Right? Look at sports. Look it's at natural. sports. Yeah. Right. You know, in the in the UK, you've got I don't know if this is a, how much of a thing this is in the States, but in the UK, you know, you have a it's not a big a problem now as it used to be, I think, in like the 80s and the 90s, but like football hooliganism. Right, where you've literally got gangs based around which sports team they support, and they're willing to beat each other up. You'll have people getting murdered for like wearing the wrong football jersey in a certain city or in a certain place or whatever. And it's just like this shows the insanity of of human tribalism, right? Look at look at um look That's at awesome. in everything, right? You know, religious violence. Who are who are the victims of the majority of Islamic terrorism? Other Muslims, right? Who is the look at look at Northern Ireland? Right. The Catholics and the Protestants have been like fighting each other for decades, bombing each other, murdering each other. It's that I'm like, not not only are you all Irish, not only are you all Northern Irish, you're all Christian. You're all Christian and you're still bombing each other. Right. So like human tribalism is this crazy, crazy thing. And there are people in power who know this. Right. And so it's always divide and conquer. Right. So every, anytime you can 
find one of those intersections and chop society up into those little groups. And if you can then create some kind of animosity between them, then it's, it's always bad. And I think that one thing people need to be careful of, very careful of is not doing this, um, kind of the shoes on the other foot now kind of thing. Do you see what I mean? So I think there's a lot of people who, rather than seeking equality, they seek revenge. Mm. Mm -hmm. yeah, so you, so you, right. So you see this with, um, say some black people, right? So we all know, especially again, especially in the USA, black people have been historically oppressed, right? State sponsored, uh, slavery, segregation, Jim Crow, um, you know, denial of certain things, redlining, et cetera, right? There are, there's lots of things that have happened in which it's like, okay, this has happened. And actually now, like I know, look, and this is not me saying, oh, everything is perfect, right? I know that everything's not perfect, but in terms of the law and generally in society, for the first time in history, for the past couple of decades, you, you, we, it's like, okay, you, actually, there's equality, right? Mm -hmm. Regardless of someone's uh, race, gender, ethnicity, sexual orientation, whatever, it's not like, okay, this is the law for you guys. This is the law for you guys. Th that, that's what it used to be like, right. you know, South Africa, apartheid. That's what it was. You know, if you're white, you can do this. If you're black, you can't do that. If you're this, you can do this. You know, I, man, people weren't even allowed to intermarry across. Like, so, so much progress has been made, which is a wonderful thing. And I think that people need to be very careful that um, it's not just like, you know, I mean, I've noticed something. I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen this as well over the past years. It's, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of been open season on white people. Right. Especially oh, white yeah. men. Right. Oh, like, yeah. But you yeah. Don't like, yeah. people don't like right? talking about that, though. No. Yeah. Yeah. So you can you could go on Twitter and say like the wildest thing about like white people or like white men or what, like very aggressive, like straight up. And it's like, OK, I have a general rule <laughs> with these things. OK, if you can substitute um, if you can substitute one or two words with like a different group mm -hmm. and it sounds really terrible, then you probably shouldn't say it. I like okay. that rule. So if someone writes like, right? So if someone says something crazy about white men and I'm like, okay, if you swap the word white with like black or Jewish, or you swap the word men with women, right? How would that sentence sound? Okay. Right. And, right? and if it would sound horrible, then it's like, okay, well, maybe it is horrible, you know? And I can understand in human nature, this sort of desire to have that kind of backlash. But, you know, I think you see this in some aspects of the sort of like modern day so-called feminist movement as well, where it's just like, okay, it's no longer, we want equality and the same opportunities as men. It's, you know, oh, like, it's like F men, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like, it's like, screw right? uh, yeah, 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 ex yeah exactly. Right. Now. I mean, like, yeah. I mean, can you imagine, can you imagine kill all women trending on Twitter? You, what? Twitter would yeah, imagine. <laughs> no, like you, you, people would, people would be like, wait, what is going on? That would be like the biggest thing in the world. But if it's kill on man, they're like, oh, you know, it's, that's okay. You know, patriarchy, whatever. No, and I'm like, and I'm like, no, it's, yeah, it's go ahead. It's funny that you, it's funny that you mentioned that with uh, how like, you know, people talk about, oh, fuck white people, fuck this and stuff like that. But those are the same people who say that and they have a, a the significant other is white. So I was like, mm, that does happen. It's weird. So I was like, you're saying fuck white people, fuck white <laughs> men and women, but you're being fucked by them. <laughs> so what is it? Maybe, like, maybe, what? maybe, maybe we just misunderstood what they meant. Maybe then, actually it was like, maybe it was all about interracial uh, in relations. It's just, it just blows my mind because it's like, oh, well, white people never understands our struggle and such and such. They can never. It's like, so why the fuck are you with one? 
Because do you tell him that? Do you tell him or her that when they ask you shit? Or do you just go past your, does this go over your head? The same thing with the radical feminist, fourth wave feminism. Fourth wave feminism is pretty much men are bad no matter what, men bad. Mm. And it's just mm. like, but at the same time, men should do. I'm independent, mm. but men still have to do for me. No, you being, you're going to be treated just like us. So when I see a woman on the train that doesn't have a seat, guess what I'm doing? I am sitting my ass down because <laughs> you were just the same as me. I am put like this. So I tell people all the time, like, listen, your, your, your sisters fought years for this equality. I'm going to treat you the same way I treat a dude. If I call you a fucking idiot, it's because you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> it's not because you're a woman. I have a, I have a female uh, project manager. She can be a fucking moron mm. because she's a fucking moron. She does stupid shit. <laughs> it's not because she's a woman. I get two shits. Like, I'm going to treat the same way. No, I'm not paying for dinner. You go pay your half. <laughs> it's equality. Full on equality, man. I don't but, open you, doors. You, I'm sorry, but one yeah, last thing. I don't yeah, open no, doors for women anymore because, like, the last time I held the door open for women, she was like, she said this. Oh, I don't, do I don't need you to hold the door for me. I was like, all right, fuck you. Never again. Yeah. I'm not doing it. Yeah. I often say chivalry is dead and and women killed it. Um, yes, I agree with facts. that. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm still benevolently sexist, so at least, so I guess it's uh, horrible. But, um, horrible. <laughs> Yeah, no, but I mean, something I often say again, and, and this leads into the, you know, the shoe on the other foot thing is, you know, people need to decide if they want equal treatment or special treatment because they, they are mutually exclusive, right? The, these things are mutually exclusive. If you want to, if you want to be sort of treated as some sort of like, I don't know, oppressed class or special class or some, some interest group or whatever, then by definition, you, you don't have equal treatment. Right. Just like, you know, it's, it's kind of like what we do with children, right? With children, we treat them, we treat them differently. We don't treat children the same as we do adults. We understand, okay, they need extra protection. They, they can't do everything. They can't consent to certain things. They, they don't have the brain capacity to deal with certain. So it's like, okay, we'll give children special treatment. Children have a special designation in society. That's why even if a child commits a crime, you don't try them the same way as an adult, et cetera. Um, but then I think when it comes to adults, we have a lot of people who simultaneously are demanding equal treatment and special treatment. And that never, that never works. Um, you know, using your example of like, uh, some of these, you know, so-called feminist women is they'll demand equality, but then they also, they all, they, they want to have the cake and eat it. Right. They do want to have that woman, you know, they kind of want that chivalrous, Hey, like guys should treat me kind of special. And with certain protections or whatever, or talk to me a certain way because I'm a woman. But then two seconds later, it's all the you go girlism, you know, F men, um, you know, whatever. And then two seconds later, it's, oh, you know, I'm a poor oppressed class. And then it's like, no, like women are, women are better than men. It, it's just, it's very, it's very confusing. Right? It's very, it's very confusing. I think the people advocating it for themselves are confused, but it's also confusing to everybody else. Cause it's kind of like, wait, what do you, what is the request here? What's the demand? Even when someone's like, okay, I want equality. I'm like, okay, what do you mean? Right? If you said that back in 1950, I'm like, okay, I get you. If you're saying that in 2021, I'm like, okay, what do you mean? Be in, and be specific. Because if there's a certain thing, again, like if there's an area where, you know, any group of people, I, I don't even care who it is. If, if you can show me where, okay, like this group of people is being like mistreated or being heavily biased against or discriminated against or whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. Like show me, like, let's, let's fix that together. 
but if it's just like these these very general ideas, you know, um, it's why I don't really like terms like structural racism and institutional racism and in, and you know was it structural institutional and systemic those are the ones people like to throw out or people you know attach sexism to those as well and i'm like to me these are just not useful terms because you can't identify anything right it, it's so they're so general i'm like okay so if you're saying the system i'm like which system like which part of the system who like what what policy which person which individual because if you just say all oh, the system is racist what do we do with that? I'm like, right. I, I can't. I can't do anything with that, right? And and it's something you can say forever. It's like, okay, so when will the system not be racist? Like, what mm-hmm. goals do we have to reach where we can be like, okay, the system is fair, or the structure, or the institution, or whatever? And it's like, and also, it's really funny because the people who say this uh, <laughs> in the USA, at least, right? The people who say this the most, it'll be in like country in cities that have been like run by Democrats for like. 30 years straight or something. And I'm like, you guys are the system. You run the institution. You run this. So when you're levying all these charges, like you're levying them at yourself. I don't know why no one ever seems to notice that. Um, So yeah, I don't know. It's um, We we live in a weird time. And I I think also, again, in 2021, I think the, the demand for sexism outstrips the supply. The demand for racism outstrips the supply, et cetera. So um, people are finding it or looking for it in places where it may not even be. I think we, I think again, we, we see that a lot. That's not to say that there is no racism or there is no sexism. And I also think it's impossible to ever totally get rid of those things, by the way, because human beings are flawed, right? Human beings are flawed. There are certain things you can reduce and you can, you can reduce and you can minimize, but you cannot totally, you, you just can't totally eliminate just like, just like you can't totally eliminate crime. I would love it if you could, That'd be great, but the only way you could do it is by eliminating humanity, and that's not um that's not a viable solution there. No, I not mean, yet. if you look for racism, you're gonna find racism. Oh, you, you will find racism. it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, why do you think we've mentioned the ridiculous things? It's like someone looked at the syrup bottle and was like, that's exactly. <laughs> so when you're looking for, especially when it doesn't exist, that's why you see people reaching out to ridiculous mm-hmm. things. And like you and, said, we're we're flawed, so that's always it, we're never gonna be in the utopia. So yeah. No. So, no, I was going to say, and also it, what also happens is the bar for these things drops and drops and drops and drops, mm-hmm. right? So a really interesting one to me is um, when people now say white supremacy, okay? I remember what white supremacy used to mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> white supremacy used to mean, okay, this is a person, this is an ideology that's claiming that white people are inherently superior to other races of people. Right. They're just they're genetically, they're inherently superior. Right? Like what Hitler believed, what the KKK believed, like, you know, white people, Aryan race, whatever, like these people are just superior. Everybody else is like a lesser class of human being inherently. This is just the way of nature. That's what white supremacy means. Now, people are just throwing this label around like ketchup. Right. Mm-hmm. They're just calling everything white supremacy. This is white supremacy. That's white. Supremacy. And I'm like, what are you guys like? What are you talking about? By what? By what definition? Right. They see. um they see an executive boardroom that has like eight eight white people in it and one brown person and they're like ah white supremacy mm-hmm. and i'm like bro what are you talking about right i've seen everything being called white supremacy and i'm just like i call it label inflation yeah. and also that's another that's another thing that's really da- that's another dangerous pattern because if you call everything racist then nothing is mm-hmm. right if you call everything white supremacy then nothing is and actually if you do get a genuine nazi coming around the corner or someone riding on a horse with a KKK hood. What what do you call that person? Like a super a super mega super mega 
uh, Nazi white supremacists. Like you, you run out of names, right. you run out of words. And I think it's, uh, you know, maybe this comes from me being a rapper, but language is very important. And being able to use language in terms precisely and with meaning is how we all communicate. If I say a word, the only way we can have this conversation is because each word we're saying has a specific meaning, a certain context, and it makes sense. If you just start using words where they don't mean anything, um, then you can't have conversations. Um, right now, they're trying to redefine the words men and women, right? They're trying to literally redefine the words so that, you know, it's been simple. Our entire lives, it's been very simple, right? You have males, you have, you have male, female, boys, girls, men, women. We all know what these words mean. Now you've got people who are like pushing and pushing and pushing, and they're literally trying to, and it's, it's what ends up with this bizarre thing where you'll see like an article online and they're calling women like menstruators or vagina owners, or like people who get pregnant or people who lactate, like these, these really weird dehumanizing, yeah, <laughs> really weird dehumanizing terms. And I'm just like, what, what are we doing here, guys? Like, what, what is this? Like, we all know what a woman is. So why are we playing this crazy game? where we're just denying where we're just denying reality right i yeah that's a good question i i would love to know the answer to that uh i want to know have you ever been called a white supremacist yet yes yeah. <laughs> okay all right cool damn is, is my is my idiot is my ideology this obvious on the podcast <laughs> yeah. i've been no, trying to hide it i've seen the twitter comments that's why it's like oh get your white supremacist ideas out and the, and you're being called a white supremacist by a white person which i find even more hilarious probably so. by someone that wants to fight racism as well it's yeah, you'd I think, think, look, you'd think that by the time you get to the stage of calling black people white supremacists and Jewish people Nazis, that maybe you're just wrong, <laughs> right? Like, like what make, what's more likely, you being wrong or that black person being a white supremacist? Like, which is more likely? Right. right. You know? <laughs> I think they're so far gone that, like, they just, they're rolling with it. You're like, you know what? I'm already yeah. this far. I got to go all the way. <laughs> That's yeah, it, it's it's embarrassing though. You know, it's embarrassing and it's crazy. I mean, we we had this um, you know, maybe things in that sense have calmed down a tiny bit. Um, but you know, in 2016, obviously there were two big political events that happened in the UK and the USA. In the UK, you had the Brexit vote, and in the USA, you had uh Trump getting elected. And for four years straight, certain people, and still to this day, they cling to the idea that everyone who voted for Brexit and or everybody who voted for Trump is racist. That's it. That's all. Like it's it's that simple, right? Yeah. The answer. Well, why did Trump win? It's because seventy million plus Americans are just racist. That's it. Why did Brexit happen? Oh, it's because you know, eighteen million British people are are racist and they 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 don't want foreigners, so they want to break. And, and some to some people, it's that simple. And I'm just yeah. like, how can someone be that? How can you be that ignorant? Go, go and and what what's yeah, but what's crazy about it is I've heard people who are otherwise very intelligent say these kind of things, which which is very disheartening to me because I'm just like, you know, it's like why don't you just why don't you just talk to people? If you want to understand why someone did something or why someone voted a certain way or why someone hold, holds a certain belief, why don't you just talk to them? Why don't you just ask them, right? These are your neighbors, right? These are people around you, probably people you work with, etc. So if you genuinely genuinely don't understand, hmm, why would somebody vote for Trump? I don't like Trump. Why would somebody vote for Trump? Why don't you talk to someone who voted for him? In fact, why don't you talk to a black a, talk to a black woman who voted for him? Right? Mm -hmm. If you have this idea that oh, 
uh, it's just racist white dudes who voted for him in the South or whatever, then why don't you talk to a, a black woman from New York who voted for him? Have that conversation, right? And right. just be like, okay, why, why, why did you vote for him? You know, and this, this runs in all ways. If you're totally confused as to why somebody might believe in God, if you don't believe in God and you're confused as to somebody why might, why don't you talk to someone who believes in God and ask them, okay, why do you, why do you believe in God? Like, you know, talk, talk to me, same the other way around. If you're if you're a believer and uh, you know you're you're confused by these atheists or whatever, like, why don't you talk to someone? And be like, okay, why 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 don't you believe in God? Have these conversations, and that's how that's how you understand people, and it's also just how you understand the world. I mean, we got seven billion, we got seven billion people on this big spinning rock um, with all sorts of different beliefs, <laughs> all sorts of different beliefs. No two people are exactly the same, and the way you understand people and build empathy and reduce conflict is by talking and no we're not all going to agree with everything which is great by the way like it's, it's actually really good that that's the case um but you'll at least be able to understand things better and if you understand the world better you can also navigate in the world better because you you at least under you have a better understanding of the people around you and just why things are the way they are so instead of getting blindsided all the time and being like confused by everything that goes outside of your bubble you you understand it so you're at least like okay I get that there's some people who think this way, or there's some people who believe this because of this, or, you know, these are the reasons why this happened. Um, you know, I think that's a much better place to be in than, you know, making assumptions, especially because in many cases, most of these assumptions are not only are they wrong, but they're, they're very negative. It's, it's always like, okay, well, if someone believes something different from me, then it's because they're stupid. It's because they're ignorant. It's because they're racist. It's because they hate X group of people. It's because they hate this. It's like most people's views are not based on hatred, right? Sometimes they're based on ignorance, but they're not normally based on like, oh, it's just because like they hate this person, right? Oh, you know, why do conservatives want lower taxes? No, it's because they hate poor people. Mm. It's like, really? Really? Is, <laughs> yeah. is, 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 is that it? They, they just hate poor people and they want them to die? Does that, does that, sound, does that sound right in your head? Your conservative neighbor, your conservative neighbor, who, you, who you've, you've been living next door to for, for 10 years and who like has taken your kids to, to baseball and who's like you've had dinner with or whatever. You think he just hates poor people? Does that make sense? You know, it can't be that simple. Right? <laughs> you know, uh, And this goes across the board with, with absolutely everything. But I, I think as human beings, we, we like to do these shortcuts just to like it's just lazy thinking. Right. It's lazy. It's easier to just go oh, like they're just stupid um, or they're just that. And then you can just dismiss it and you don't have to think about it. Yeah. I mean, that's what we uh, we kind of experienced all through last year it was just like a, a swarm of a lot of our friends just out of nowhere, just disassociated themselves with us. Like, because oh, I voted for please, Trump. Please, please tell me. Please tell me about this. Well, yeah, I mean, I voted for Trump and um, I'm a I'm a I got my start on Twitch as a live streamer doing gaming stuff. And just recently, I started doing it on YouTube with like the social and political commentary. Uh, and mm. uh, so I said, you know what? I started to see how the public was treating people that voted for Trump and grouping them up with like, oh, you're clearly racist. You're clearly a fascist. And I said, wait a minute, I'm not none of those things. I just researched and made my decision. <laughs> so I went on Twitter and I announced it just to like, so there's no surprise. Hey, I voted for Trump. And then all of a sudden, all of my friends, some people that I've had over the apartment we've gone out to dinner with we've gone on trips together these people out of nowhere were just like okay well you're voting for a fascist you are against human rights you are against gay rights because you voted for mm. trump and it's like 
have a conversation with me. And it was for weeks after I announced that I announced it was like it was for weeks that people were just uh, keeping tabs on my YouTube channel saying, oh, she's still talking about Trump. She's still talking about politics. Go look. I had some person, I, I swear, I had some person on Twitter make a thread announcing to all of her followers, hey, look at this YouTuber who said they they voted for Trump. And then they contacted my sponsors to try to get me uh, wow. get my sponsorship dropped because of that. And this is a common symptom that I'm seeing where people are losing their their employment over who they voted for. And nobody seems mm -hmm. to connect the dots of, OK, this is a problem. Uh, yeah. And and it only runs one way. Yeah, it, it does. does. It only runs one way. Yeah, yeah it does. It and does. people that deny that are being completely ignorant and just out of their mind because we've had friends with like, well, it's on both sides. No. Mm -mm. It's not. No, it's just not. Uh, like, it's not. Oh you have some job for voting for voting for Biden. No. And you're from no, the UK, it, so you can speak objectively. Yeah. You know, sometimes uh, that's an interesting thing because I, I get I get a lot of love and a lot of hate um, from certain people in the States because like they they sort of don't like it. If so, you know, people be, oh, well, you're not American. Right. So that, you know, you, you can't you shouldn't or you can't talk on the USA. But the analogy I actually use sometimes is that. Um, you can sometimes you can see a, you can see a picture better if you stand further away from it, right? Mm -hmm. If you're standing like right in front of a painting, if you there's a, imagine there's a huge painting on the wall and you're standing right in front of it, you can't tell what it is. But actually, if you if you step back, oh wow, okay, you can you can see the whole picture. And I don't have a dog in the fight, right? I didn't vote for Trump or for Biden. I can't, right? I'm not I'm not I'm not a citizen. So yeah, sure, I have my leanings, and that's that's fine. But. I'm just looking at it dispassionately. Like my my emotions are not my emotions are not in this thing. I'm just observing, and I do have a lot of I do have a very big platform. Like I'm interacting with way more people than almost anybody, right? I'm I'm in the UK, in the USA, whatever. I'm connected to all these hundreds of thousands of people, um, millions really, and so I'm just I'm observing, and this is over the course of years as well. It's not just like. Uh, you know, just right now, I'm like, I'm observing this over, over years and I'm talking to different people and I'm having all these conversations, et cetera. Um, I mean, it's, it's funny. I, I remember in the, it's really interesting because I had a single tweet, which blew up in 2018. This is prior to the deadlift one. I had a single tweet, which gained, which started just gaining me tons and tons of, of us followers. Um, and those us followers were generally more, uh, Republican. Trump supporters, right? Because I had a, you guys remember when Kanye West first wore the, when he first wore the MAGA hat? Yep. Yeah. And yeah. Like, broke the yeah and, there were, and it broke the internet, right? I tweeted something like, LOL at all the people saying Kanye West is lost. Maybe he's not the lost one. Mm. Right. I just tweeted that and it went, it went viral in like sort of American conservative Twitter which I wasn't really connected to at the time. At this stage, I had like 16,000 followers. I'm just a rapper here in the UK, you know, just, but I saw that thing and I saw, you know, remember, remember when uh, I was on, on CNN and they said, you know, this is what happens when Negroes don't read. And like, they yeah. were just saying, I, I was they like, racist, Yo. they thought this I didn't know they did that. Yeah. 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 They said, you know, this is what happens when, you know, Kanye West is an example of what happens when Negroes don't read. I was just like, mm -hmm. on CNN. They said and that. I'm just like, I mean, I'm not surprised like, now hearing it. Yeah, but like, can you imagine if like one of the Fox News pundits said that? Right. People would be, people would they be. burned the building down. Dude, I was just like, yikes. Okay, so it's this sort of deep, you know? And so I said that. And again, I'm just like, hey, 
all these other celebrities in the music industry, Hollywood, whatever, like they're all like, go Hillary, pro-Democrat, like open with it. So I'm like, okay, so interesting. So Kanye West somehow likes Trump and now he's, he, he's all these things. Like how come, how come, how come you can all support Hillary, but he can't say he likes Trump, right? Mm-hmm. What you, whether or not you, you can disagree with him, but mm-hmm. he should be, okay, he should be allowed to say it. Right. right. It shouldn't just be, hey, black man, stay, stay in your lane. And I'm like, yo, that's that's racism. <laughs> right. I'm like, that's racism. You're saying because he's black, he must think this way, he must vote this way, et cetera. And I, again, I've seen this for years. You know, I've seen I've seen all this for years. So I just put out that tweet. And it's really interesting because that's when I started to get like all these followers. And I remember even at that time, I actually had a couple people be kind of like, Oh man, like, you know, are you sure you want to be like talking to these Trump supporters or whatever. And I'm like, man, like I know tons of people who vote, like even in 2016, I know tons of people who voted for Trump or whatever. Like I know some of the, uh, do you guys know Mike Cernovich? That sounds right. No. No. Okay. okay. Well, okay. Well, my, my, he's, he's got a really, really big platform. I mean, he's, he's, he's a friend of mine. He was kind of like very much in the MAGA movement from like 2015 before this thing even. So like I'd been, I'd been following all this, which is why even in the UK is funny when Trump got elected, like this blindsided almost everyone in the UK. And I was, I, I'm just, I'm just angry. I didn't put money on it. Right. Cause when I was going to, when I was going to the odds were 30 to one and I, I, I wow. didn't because people, people were telling me I was crazy. Cause I was having these conversations. People were laughing at me cause this is before he'd even won the Republican nomination. And I was like, you know, cause everyone was just laughing at this Trump. And I was like, guys, you guys are underestimating how many people are going to vote for him. Like you're not, you're not seeing the wave that is coming here. Like I could see it because I'm I'm actually everyone else is like refusing to interact with all these people and I'm there interacting. I'm like, yo, okay. And I'm also seeing like all the political correctness stuff coming to a head and certain things. And I'm just like, man, like Trump is gonna do well. Like, I don't know if he's gonna win, but and then in the debates when he was just like remember he was wiping people out in the debates. I was just like, yo, man, like this guy's gonna get votes, you know. Um, so yeah, I, I did turn out to be right, but I didn't put my money where my mouth was, but I saw all that coming and, you know, I had a lot of people who, not a lot, but you know, a few people were kind of like, Ooh, why Zuby interacting with these Trump supporters or whatever? Cause they've been convinced by the media that all Trump supporters are racist or they're this or they're that. And I'm like, no, they're not like, these are people I know, right? right? These are people I know. So I know that's not the case. And I, I'm having conversations saying, okay, like, why are you voting for Trump? Like, what's the, what's the, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I get that. I get that. I get that. And then people also forget he ran against Hillary Clinton, who was like a very, very flawed candidate. So I was like, mm, okay, if the, if the choice is between those two, a lot of people, they might not come out and say it publicly, but they're going to, they're, they're, they're going to, they're going to go vote for Trump, you know? Um, so that was actually that, that particular tweet sort of opened those, opened that side for me a lot. And then from then on, um, I've just been in this place where I'm just communicating with, just communicating with everybody, communicating with everybody on every, every side. I know people who are like the most die hard Trump support. I mean, I know, I know people in the administration, like I've been invited to the white, I was invited to the white house three times oh, wow. during the last administration. Go? Yeah. Yeah. I went twice. Oh, cool. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, I, so, so like, I, I know, I know and I'm connected to all these people. And then also, like, I know people who despise Trump, right? Even in my own family, I know people who despise Trump and who just, like, don't, they, you know, they don't get it or whatever. But, you know, and you have these conversations, same with friends, whatever it is. But um, one thing, one thing that is a blessing for me is I've never lost a good friend over any of this, which I mean, is really, um, lucky. 
I've, yeah. Do you know what? I don't, I don't even think it's luck. I don't think it's luck. I think a big part of it is because I've always had these conversations with people. So I think, I think where people lose friends tends to be more if they sort of switch sides or if it seems like they're switching sides. Right. Mm -hmm. So if someone was like a liberal and someone was like a Democrat and then, oh, they go and vote, they don't only vote Republican, but they vote for Trump or something, then that creates this huge sort of rift in people's brains because they've decided to frame it as simply as like um good versus evil yeah right so if that's how someone's brain has framed the whole situation and i think the media is largely responsible for this by the way then you um you vanessa are now oh you're actually evil you're on the side of evil now so it makes sense to disassociate to them it makes sense yeah to disassociate with you right you know it's more nuanced than that Right? right, like no, of course not. Right? Of course, of course not. And I think because with my close circle of friends and in my family, like we we always kind of talk about these things, whether it's agree, disagree, whatever. Like I have lots of friends who like I you know disagree with strongly on on certain things or whatever. But we know, firstly, we understand each other's positions, but also at the core, we we know that we we know that we're good people, right? So I know, okay. If someone disagrees with me on like all these, it's not it's not as simple as it's because they're a bad person or they're evil or something. It's like no, because I, I have I know people like that, so they it, it's just it's just a mutual respect thing. It's a respect thing and it's a it's a tolerance thing. So I think for me that's why, um, you know, there are certain people there are certainly people who like you know have unfollowed me for my politics or whatever, but not not like people who um who are like close to me. I've never, I've never had that where it's like, oh man, you know, I've, I, I've heard some horrible stories, man, awful stories of people, you know, losing their, losing their marriages, losing their relationships, mm -hmm. like, you know, yeah. losing like close friends for 20 years, no longer speaking to their grandchildren or their children or their parents, all, all that kind of horrible stuff. Um, I I've heard thousands of stories, I'd say not even hundreds, thousands, which is, which is really, really heartbreaking. And it's a shame because it also sort of reveals I think on the sad thing is it also reveals like, uh, you know, maybe that relationship wasn't what you thought it was, right? Like I, I can't fathom the idea. Any if I think any of my close friends or my family, I can't even fathom the idea of, oh, they vote for like a candidate I don't like mm -hmm. <laughs> and I cut them off or that, you know, they support at the support. I'm like, no, like the relationship is so, so, so much deeper than that, that I'm like, okay, I might totally disagree with you on that thing. Um, and we can talk about that, but like, I'm not going to just be like, you know what? You're gone. Cut you off. Like, that's it. Let alone start telling people that like, oh, you're a, you know, you're something bad. Um, so yeah, you know, in a weird, in a very, very weird way, maybe when that happens, maybe it's a good thing, yeah. you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a good thing kind of in the, in the long run. Cause if someone can't simply respect that difference, then how true a friend are they are they really you know no i think you're i think you you're totally on point with that um 
you know, in 2016, I had a little bit of a confrontation with a with a close friend because she voted for Trump. And back then I suffered from Trump derangement syndrome. Uh, so mm. I was quick to, you know, uh, associate her with voting for a racist. Uh, I, mm. I wasn't so far gone in the Trump derangement syndrome where I just cut her off entirely. But in the back of my mind, I still had some resentment. Like, why would why would she vote for this guy? I'm black. Why would you vote? And mm. uh, even on this podcast, because like I said, I've only started, re, you know, rethinking, um, you know, my thought process and actually asking questions a matter of like six months ago. Uh, and there's some episodes on here where uh, I was very public with my Trump derangement syndrome, all orange man bad on the podcast. And I think it was just the fact that you know, uh, when I was making content over on Twitch, I would have these rules of never to talk about politics, never to talk about all mm -hmm. of these issues that I think would result in uh, confrontation. And then I realized, well, wait a minute, how uh, informed am I on these topics that I'm talking about? Am I in actually informed or am I informed only as far as the headlines that CNN puts out? And I realized that it was the latter. So mm -hmm. um, I do I do think that uh, you know, if I can give any advice to anybody listening right now, I think, you know, what Zuby is doing or what I have started doing is just being upfront about who you are so that there is yeah. no surprises. There's no questions. It's like you get what you get. I have nothing to hide. Um, and sometimes I, I, I kick myself for, you know, if I was as open as I am now a year ago, maybe I wouldn't have run into this problem and I could have avoided building these friendships with people that ended up being very fragile in the long run because, mm. you know, as you mentioned, I can't imagine ending a friendship with someone over a political difference. No, I mean, look, keep, keeping it real from the beginning is, and I mean that in the truest sense, like truly being, truly being yourself um, off the bat from the beginning is, it's the way forward. I mean, what's really interesting that's happened over the past uh, two years is, I've become this sort of like lightning rod or magnet for people in general, but even more so like people who are pretty high profile, who are like closet conservatives or like closet libertarians or whatever, like in the music world, in Hollywood and into like who, or even in, in sports, et cetera, all these different things, or just, just, you know, general people who, um, you know, excited, kind of like confide in me. Right. Uh, and who will like sort of share these crazy stories with me or whatever it is. And there are a lot of people who are kind of being um, held hostage, shall we say, not just by their industry, but if they are even independent or they're musicians or something, they're, they're held hostage actually by their audience mm -hmm. because they, they've reached a stage where they, they, can't, they can't be true to themselves anymore because they know that it will upset their mm -hmm. audience because they've kind of built it on some falsity and opacity. They haven't really been transparent. So I think one thing that I've done, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for, and I recommend this to other people as much as possible, especially if you're starting out, is from, from the beginning, be, be truly yourself, right? Um, I can understand the temptation to want to especially chase certain social trends right? To sort of jump on certain bandwagons. Hey, the social justice bandwagon, this Black Lives Matter thing, this Me Too movement, whatever. Like, let me just jump on all these movements and put out the hashtags and the tweets and whatever. Let me, let me do that because it'll gain followers and people will like it and whatever. But if you, if you yourself don't truly, aren't truly on board with certain things, then you're paint, you're, you're, you paint yourself into a corner. 
And then when you want to come out of that corner, that's when you get the the canceling and you get you get the backlash and you get the losing friends and you get the conflict because again, it's like it, ca- it causes this cognitive dissonance in people because you've now violated the thing, right? They have that, like I said, the good and evil thing. And they're like, okay, you know, you're good. Like you're good. You're on my side here. You're tweeting the right things. You've, you've got the right hashtags and the right pronouns in your bio. Um, and then, <laughs> and then you put something on and then, and then it violates what's in their head. And it's like, okay, well, this person has gone from being here to now being over here. Whereas if from the beginning, you just keep it real sure you'll have people who don't like, there, there are thousands upon thousands of people all over the internet who I won't even say they may, maybe they don't like me. I think in more cases, it's more like they think they don't like me because they don't really know me in most mm-hmm. in, in most cases. Um, but there are thousands, tons of possibly to possibly hundreds of thousands of people on Twitter who are like, I don't like that Zuby guy. Right. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> and I really saw this when I got temporarily banned because I saw how many thousands of people were celebrating. Um, but that's like a real thing. But it's also but there's hundreds of thousands of people who love who love what I do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, okay, you just got to kind of deal with that because I'm not putting on a show, right? I'm not, I'm not putting on any, any show. I'm just, I'm just sharing what I genuinely believe. If I say something that's so-called controversial, it's not because, okay, I don't actually believe this, but I just want to annoy people. And I'm just want to be, I just want to provoke. I don't do that. Um, but I also won't say something just because it's like, okay, this is just what my audience wants to hear or whatever. I mean, one of the funniest tweets, one of the one of the funniest tweets ever I had was I had a tweet where I complimented both Trump and Obama in the same tweet. <laughs> and what and what wow, happened? Wow, you must have... the the response was the response was amazing. I was just like, wow. Okay. So I had people like <laughs> it was really interesting, right? Because people people know I'm more like, you know, conservative leaning or whatever. But again, a lot of conservatives say in the USA, right? They they particularly dislike Obama. Whereas with me, I think the tweet was it, the tweet was even it was something like I said something like both Obama and Trump are very iconic presidents who will go down forever in history, which is true, by the way, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're both they were both groundbreaking in their own way. Like no people aren't going to forget about Obama, first black president. Like thing the thing was huge, right? Like you know two thousand and eight. I remember that time, man. Like. Whether regardless of what you think of him or his policies, you can't really deny that Obama was like that was like a moment in history. That was a right. big thing, more so than like you know George Bush or like uh, I don't know even even Bill Clinton or whatever. And then same with Trump. Even even if you don't like Trump, you cannot deny that like the Trump movement, the MAGA movement, like the way he came out, like just attacking the media, like nobody had seen that before like (laughs) wild tweets like no one had seen that before he went from reality tv to the president like no one had seen this he wasn't even in the system and so like yeah i put out that tweet and it was very funny because yeah i did have some people who were like like extremists like (laughs) like the people who are just like too far gone on either (laughs) side who are like that does it like unfollowed you know like you know i thought you were one of us i thought you were on my team whatever like dude man like oh that's funny i'm not on i'm not on a team like i can recognize there are things that I admire about Obama and there are things that I dislike about him. There's things I admire about Trump. There's things I dislike about him. Um, I think they've both done good or bad. I don't think either of them are like evil. Um, you know, I think they're both, <laughs> I think they're both men who wanted to do the best thing they could for the USA. Um, we can, people will have different ideas of how well they did it, but that's my personal opinion, right? Just because yeah. I kind of just, just because I like Trump 
doesn't mean I hate Obama. Right. 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 Some people, <laughs> Just because someone hates. Some people yeah, think it's yeah, not it's, possible to have to hold two positions at the same time. It's like, no, no, no. You yeah. need to hate everything about this guy. <laughs> yeah. It is. And, you know, I think part of it is also me. I, I'm generally I, I'm generally an optimistic person. Right. I try to I'm not perfect at it, but I, I try to see I try to see the good in people. And as someone who's an entrepreneur, I want to like I try to I, I, I want to take like the best. I want to take like the best from people, right? There is so much stuff that Trump did that I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Like I can cherry pick this. I can cherry pick that. Like he, he, the way he like used Twitter, right? The way, the way he used the internet, the way he used the media against themselves, Mm -hmm. the way he like took out all of these, all of his opposition who are seasoned veterans in politics. And he just came, I'm like, yo, that's inspiring. Like that inspired me. I think that's the same thing Kanye West loved. Was I don't think Kanye was even about the policy. I think he was just like, yo, like, like the way he's done it's this. Different. Just kind of come, yeah, it's different. It's different. Like the way he's just kind of come here. I'm like, yo, that means if Donald Trump can be president, just in the way like some people saw, oh, wow, Obama can be president. That puts in a lot of mo- people's brains. Like I remember, you know, back in, I actually, I remember at a time when people said the USA would never have a black president. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even that long ago. I remember in, in the 90s, even in the early thousands, people were like, the, U- the USA is like never going to have a black president. Right. I always knew it was possible, but some people would say stuff like that. You know, there's never been a UK. Of course, the UK can have a black prime minister. It hasn't happened yet because the right person hasn't come along yet, but it will happen. It will. Facts. It's going to happen. Um, I don't need a black person to do that to know that it's possible. I already know it's possible. So I already knew Obama was possible. And then with Trump, it was like, you know, it's like, wow, anyone can be president. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was like, wow, any, anyone can be president. Like, you don't have to be in the Democratic Party for like decades or in the Republican Party for decades. Like, you could just say the right things, like capture a mass of people at the right time, the right moment, do it the right way, especially in this age of social media. And you can you can do that. Even, even in something non-political, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, wow, okay, this is this is possible. Like someone can use these tools to do, to do this thing. And to me, that's always inspiring. That's always inspiring. It's the same as, um, even in the world of music and hip hop, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of artists whose music I love. There's a lot of artists whose music I don't like at all, but even those artists whose music I don't like, if they've built an audience of millions of people, I can learn from them. How's this guy using Instagram? How's he using Facebook? How's he using, uh, Twitter? What's he doing on Spotify? How, how are they, how are they doing this? Why do people like them? Even if I don't like their music, I'm like, okay, how are they, how are they doing this? How have they captured this? And you can learn from everybody. And I think that one thing that leads to greatness is being willing to just learn from everybody and not just always be focusing on the negative and the stuff you don't like and the stuff you think is bad or whatever, but being like, hmm, okay, what, what is, what's this person doing that's good and what can I take away from it? Even the stuff that's bad, okay, why do I not like it? And then that's maybe something I can avoid doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all there's always ways to be learning, and it's easy to it's easy to be you know critical, 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 critical. But actually, if you sort of switch that and you think, okay, what is this person doing that's good? Like, what can I take from this? What can I get from this? Then actually, I think that's one of the keys to keys to success. Um, I think a lot of people sort of limit who they are allowed to be influenced by. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I um. And just just really quick, because I know we're 
a little bit over time. We don't want to take too much yeah. of your time today. Oh, um, good. I'm actually really enjoying the conversation. Yeah, so I, I was, I, I, saw, I saw the time and I was like, you know what? I don't even mind. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs> um, what was I going to say? Yeah. Like one criticism that, uh, or one thing that I get a lot with my channel is I get attacked a lot by, uh, uh, black Twitter. <laughs> they don't like my YouTube, and um, okay. a lot of uh, a lot of black content creators specifically uh, will say that. Oh well, the reason that you know I'm growing on YouTube is because I'm catering to a white audience. Uh, mm. and, and what's interesting about that is that is always the type of rhetoric that I'll hear. But I've never heard one of these uh, creators ask me for advice. What are you doing to market? Like, what are you doing yep. for your branding? And these are important questions that I wish people would ask. Like, why why isn't society seeking out that mentorship, that guidance, that that willingness to uh, self-analyze your content or self-analyze how you go about creating that content instead of just saying, oh, mm. well, the reason you're seeing this is because white audience. And I think yeah. that that's a very, it, it's, it's limiting with your growth. Yeah, they associate <laughs> success with white people. <laughs> like that's why you're doing well yeah and yeah but then there's the same people that call you know they'll call her a white supremacist it's just like y'all yeah. are not consistent with this <laughs> no it, it, it's nutty and you know that there's what what they're saying there is actually twofold number one firstly they are implying that there is something wrong with having a white audience hmm. right 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 which there isn't which there isn't right because they, they, they're saying that to put you on the defensive right mm -hmm. they want you to be like and I, I don't even get defensive about that. I'm like, yeah, I've got tons of white fans. They're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> right? Straight up. I've got tons of black fans. They're awesome. I've got tons of brown fans. They're all, I, got, I got fans of every stripe. Straight up. Right? I live in the UK. The UK is over like, the UK is like a 90% white country. Like the fact that I have white fans, it's like, okay, so you want me to just target 2% of the population? How's that going to work? Mm -hmm. um, you know, I make music. I don't, I don't make music for just black people or just like <laughs> i just make music right um so so it's interesting because what they're saying is twofold so number one like they're saying that is some kind of like okay that's inherently bad but then again also like you said they're um they're, they're not just taking away from your success or trying to downplay it but they're also limiting they're also limiting their own right they're, they're limiting their own like they could say oh wow okay this is a person who's achieving things that i want to achieve why rather than coming at them sideways and coming at them all hostile why don't i just say hey i like hey like i've been following your youtube channel congratulations on your growth like i've got a small channel could you give me some advice or like you know simple as that right. and most people and most people like helping other people as long as as long as you approach someone decently um mm -hmm. most people actually really like advising and helping other people to overcome things that they found really difficult right like you know i used to be fat like people don't even know this, right? Well, like, you know, I'm really into like fitness and training and whatever now. And I love helping people. It's why I wrote the book. Like I want to help people build muscle, like lose weight, get stronger. Like I've, I've been through that grind. So I want to show you, but if you just come at me sideways and are like, oh, like you've just got good genetics or I bet you take steroids. And I'm like, dude, you know, like you've just blown it. It's like, yeah. why you, just, you know, you could say, Hey man, like I'm trying to lose weight. Can you give me some advice or you know, does your book cover that? Or, you know, I'm stuck on my bench press. How can I make it strike? I'll help you. But if it's just like, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's that thing is that it's the, it's the loser mentality and the winner mentality, man. And I think, um, my, to me, mindset is everything, man. I think mindset is everything. If you have the right mindset, then no matter your, no matter your circumstances, no matter where you begin, no matter whatever, 
like, you know, life is long, you know, generally, you know, Lord willing, you've got several, several decades to live your life and to succeed. So no matter what position you're starting from, you know, you can't choose the hands that you're, the cards that you're dealt, but you can choose how you play them, right? Everyone is dealt a different hand. And firstly, with that said, let me tell people straight up, anybody listening to this, if you are a young person, like if you are alive in 2021 and you live in the UK or the USA or any Western country, you are in the top 1% of the most privileged human beings to ever walk this planet, period, mm-hmm. period. You're in the top 1% already. You've hit the jackpot. You've made You've it. You've hit the jackpot. Like you, 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 like the opportunities we have. Look, look at what we're doing right now. This is witchcraft. We're speaking in real time, in high definition, across the internet from two thousands. We're thousands of miles away from each other. We're having this whole conversation, like, and people can listen to it. I'm like, this is even 15 years ago. If you showed this to someone, they'd be like, yo, like, imagine showing this to someone in like, imagine showing this to someone in like 19. 1930 or even yeah. 1970 people would be like what are like literally witchcraft <laughs> they'd, they'd run out the room screaming they'd be like yeah. oh how's he in the same room you know like so <laughs> you know we we have all of these tools we live in we live in the least racist the least sexist the least homophobic the least misogynistic the the least discriminatory time period ever yep. ever does that mean it's perfect no but there's no utopia. I'm comparing to history and I'm comparing to the rest of the world. So yeah, sure. There might still be problems and you might still have struggles or whatever, but like, think back to, you know, do you have it easier than your parents? Yes. Do you have it easier than your grandparents? Yes. Your great parent, grandparents? Yes. By, by a long way. Lord knows like what my great grandparents had to do to survive. Good grief, man. Yeah. Um. So again, I think people need to Again, this is this is the mindset because, of course, you can focus on the negative and you can focus on the problems and you can focus on every disadvantage you have and you can focus on things that happened in history which you didn't live through. You can focus on all of these things, or you can have some perspective and you can be grateful and you can be like, okay, all of that stuff happened, but that's put me in this position now. And you know, you can't change the past. The past is immutable. The past is always the past. Never changes. Immutable. The future. You got some control of that. So what can you do now that in 10 years time, 20 years time, 30 years time, 50 years time, you're going to be thanking yourself and your children are going to be thanking you and the future generations are going to be thanking you for all those decisions you made and all those things you did, et cetera. So I think if people like focus on that and they sort of switch their brain to be more forward thinking rather than like constantly, you know, if, if you're trying to drive a car and you, you're staring in the rearview mirror, you're going to crash. Right, you need to be focused on the road ahead and steering that wheel, and then you you've you've got the control. You've got the control. All that, all the stuff in the past, it, it's in the past. You know, you wanna you wanna study it, learn from it, understand what was good, understand what was bad, but then it's like, okay, let's 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 move on. What's that? What's that next thing? What's the next thing for me? What's the next thing for my community? What's the next thing for my family? For my friends? What are the decisions I can make? You know, we, none of us can control everything, but what are the things that we can do that are going to put us in a better position? You know, if you want to write that book, write that book. You want to make that music, make that music. You want to start that podcast, do it, right? You what, Whatever it is you want to do, you want to go for a job, you want to start a business, whatever. You want to get in shape. No one is going to do it for you. No, no, no one's going to do it for you. And also, no one's going to stop you either. 
They might think so. Right, right. right? Yeah, yeah. You you might think so. I I tell people nobody nobody is gonna oppress you more than you oppress yourself. Facts. Yeah. <laughs> sure. well, well, people like, like, people right. say different. If you're black, the white man is oppressing you. You just don't know it yet. Which which, which white man? Which white man? The white man. Where? <laughs> you know, that that's also the craziest Anthony thing as well man. is because when people have that mentality, it also stops them from being helped by people who actually would help them. Right. This is this is the crazy thing. I mean, I said it somewhat jokingly at the beginning of the show. You know, I was saying like, you know, <laughs> God bless all the white people who have helped. But I'm, mm-hmm. I mean that real straight up. Like in throughout my life, like, you know, white people <laughs> and black people <laughs> and just people people in general have helped me like with so much stuff with like, like everything. You know, like, um. And so it's wild to me that people are running around with this mentality of like, okay, like, uh, I don't know, what's the, what's the white population in the USA? Like 60% or so, 65%, something like that. I don't know, say 60%, right? You're running around with the notion that the majority of the country is opposed to you or is your enemy. Like that's wild. Number one, because it's not environment. No, firstly, it's false. (laughs) it's very it's very false too right it's very false um and then also it's like you're just impeding you're impeding yourself and you're you're burning bridges before you've you know crossed them right um it would be like you know you get this as well you know some people will do it along the gender lines you know someone will say ah you know like i don't know all women are x or all men are y and so like you've just cut off like half the population. So half the population, you've just decided that you're not going to allow yourself to be helped by them, to be inspired by them, for them to like help you like just like that. Okay. Yeah. Good luck be good luck being successful. Yeah. Right? Good luck good luck just cutting half the population out and saying, "Okay, well, anyone who fits <laughs> a lot forget about the fact that it's like straight up sexist or racist or what, you know, whatever the thing may be, but it's also just like okay, you know, good luck. You know, you want to box and like, you want to have one, you know, you, you, you want to, it's like going into a boxing match, you t- tie one arm behind your back and you like tie your legs together. And then you're like, okay, cool. Like, let's go. It's yeah. like, you did that to your, you did that to yourself. I'm here. I got both my arms free. I got my legs free and let's win, right? Let's win. If you're with me, let's go. Maybe this is a blessing growing up where I did, because from day one, um, day one, I was surrounded by all, all sorts of people different religions, different ethnicities, different skin colors. What from, from day one, there was never a time period in my life where I wasn't exposed to just everybody. And so growing up from the age of like two, from the age of three, it was just like, my friends are just my friends. People are just people. I never even had a chance to like get caught in the black, white, brown thing or like this, or like, I I didn't even have a chance. It was just like, okay, I'm just here. Um, I like these people. I like you. Right? Like, yeah, we're we're all, we're all we're all here. Let's 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 get on with life and cool. That's that's another reason why to me it's it's extra strange actually even even having some of these conversations sometimes because I'm just like that's not like that was never a thing for me. Like it it just doesn't uh yeah it, it wasn't there. I think it's it, it's cliche as it sounds to say that you don't see color. I, I I literally do not see color. I've never sat there and counted my white to black friend ratio. I never said, Oh, I wish I had more black friends or anything like that. It's like, if you have a good personality, me and you vibe well, that's it. I don't mm-hmm. look at anything else. So it kind of ties into like this whole talk about, di- you know, representation and diversity and mm. stuff like that. I don't, I don't walk into 
an establishment and say, oh, there's not enough black people here. I don't care. Do you have a good service? Do you have a good mm. product? <laughs> then I'll do business with you. Um, yeah. And I think that, that that line of thinking, when you're looking at the world through the lens of racism all the time or, or, or color, it, it limits your ability to actually enjoy life and take full advantage of the, of the things that we have around us. And I don't yeah. know, it's just very, it's, I don't know, weird way to live. I don't know. Very odd. It, it is. It, it's not just negative. It, it's also very, it's also very limiting. It's also just very, very limiting in like, it, it automatically limits the people who you can be friends with. It limits the people who you can learn from. It limits the mentors you can have. It limits the people you can be influenced by. And it's like, you're just artificially creating all these limits. And the thing is as well is, is really weird because anyone who exists in the real world, <laughs> it's like, there's this double thing going on because we all implicitly from our own experiences, we all know that there are good and bad people of every stripe. We all know that, right? No, no, no I don't, none of us are under the delusion that like every black person is like a saint. Like all black people are good and decent. Like, no. Right. And they're not all terrible and bad. Same with like any demographic of people because we interact with other human beings on our lives. Right. So mm -hmm. it's also why racism itself is all has always been such a stupid idea. Right. Even if you're going back to like hundreds of centuries ago, um, it was always a stupid idea because it's like, okay, so because someone looks like this or they're from this place or they have this skin color, you're going to like, make all these assumptions about them and like be horrible to them and like discriminate against them or like it, it doesn't, it, it never made sense. And it still doesn't, it still doesn't make sense because I think human skin is something like, um, I looked this up the other day. I think it's something like, uh, oh gosh, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Google this. Give me one second. All right. Yeah. 0 0.07 inches. That is how thick the skin is. And you know, if you remove that, we all look like that. You know, those like muscle charts you see in like biology or even in the gym or whatever, where you just got like the guy with like, you know, yep. the mm -hmm. muscles and what we all look like. Yeah. It's what we've all always looked like. Right. And so it's insane that imagine all the like, all the racist crap that's ever happened in the world, all these conversations, all this nonsense, discrimination, slavery, all of it was based on that 0 0.07 inches. That's crazy. It's true. Like, it's, that, that, that's nuts. Like, yeah. it's silly. It's like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> why, why, why exactly? What, you know, why, why would you do that? What does that tell you about someone's brain, about somebody's heart, about somebody's character, about their personality? Like, tells you nothing. Literally tells you nothing. Right. If you want to go a little bit deeper. Okay, cool. You can find out where their ancestors were from. Okay. Okay. Oop. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're, oh, 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 okay. You know, they were from another part of the big spinning rock. Cool. Yeah. Um, all right. Oh, so I'm going to hate you because of that. Like what? <laughs> what, what, what do you, what do you mean? Like the, I think what, like if you actually think about racism properly, it's so stupid, Like it, it's genuinely so dumb. It, 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 it would be as ridiculous as, you know, you see somebody who's like brunette, who's got black hair, somebody who's got blonde hair or someone who's got, and, and then you like make all these like assumptions about them or you deny them certain jobs or you do this, you'd be like, what are you insane? Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, you know, or height. Okay. If you're five foot nine or above, you can do this. If you're under five foot nine, this is the lot. Like, what are you yeah. insane? Like, what are you talking about? Like, but it's, it's, it's that, yeah. that that's literally it's the same rhetoric, same way. It's <laughs> yeah. It's, it's the same thing. Um, very limiting. but yeah, very limiting, very, very limiting. So, um, 
Yeah, I don't know what else to say. So this has been an awesome discussion. Before we wrap it up, I want to ask you, because I was uh, when I was searching through some of your past interviews, I saw an interview where the thumbnail said uh, that you are the Jordan Peterson of rap. And I want to close off the show. If you can give me three life rules, Zuby life rules. Oh, wow. Mm, I like that. I've never been asked this before. Okay. That is a good one. Number one is understand how great your potential is, right? Potential is, is crazy. And none of us ever, firstly, none of us are fulfilling our potential currently, and none of us ever will, but what you are capable of is incredible, like mind blowing. Every single person, we've all been given different, different gifts, different blessings, different personalities, different opportunities, uh, different life experiences, et cetera. And you, you, you have an ethical duty. You have a moral duty to try to fulfill your potential in this world, not just for yourself, but for your friends, for your family, for your community, for your country, for the world as a whole. If everybody focused on fulfilling their potential, the world would be a much, much, much better place. So that's my first rule. Number two, I would reiterate something that I said earlier, which is that the past is immutable, right? The past is immutable and the present and the future, uh, you know, while we're always living in the now, so actually in the, in the immediate, the present is the only thing you can change immediately, but then that has an impact on the future. So whatever has happened in your own personal past or in the past, just in, in history in general, in the history of the UK, in the history of the UK, the history of the world, it's all immutable. It's all immutable. It's very important to understand it and learn from it, but not to live in it because then you're just running around looking backwards. And if you're running around looking backwards, you're, you're going to run into a tree. You're going to run into a lamppost. You certainly will not have the brightest future. So focus on the present and the future rather than always, always, always being looking back. I would say that would be number two. And number three, I think would simply be around perseverance. Understand that you can, again, you can achieve greatness, but you have to, you have to persevere. You have to have to have to keep going. Um, oftentimes you can win a race just by being the last person running, just by, just by going. So just always be progressing, always be investing in yourself, always be moving forward in your fitness, in your learning, in your skills, in your knowledge, in your every, whatever it is you do, just always be moving forwards, always be trying to make progression. And you have to, you have to persevere. You, you've got to keep going because in everyone's life, there's always going to be times that are difficult. There's going to be times where you want to give up, times you want to quit, where it feels like it's unfair, somebody's attacking you, whatever it is, but you, you, you have to just persevere and keep on going and if you do, then you will always attain some degree of success. How far and how high that success is, that depends on what you're doing and your own personal capabilities, et cetera. But um, you'll, you'll, you'll achieve a degree of success if you, if you really work hard and you, you just persevere and you, you just, keep, just keep on going, whatever it is. That was beautiful. I like that. I'm a co-signer. Wise words. <laughs> Thank, you. Like that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's freestyled. Dope, dope. 
Uh, Zuby, thank you so much for hanging out with us. This has been an amazing conversation. Two hours. We did, we've never done this before with another guest. I like it. <laughs> that was great. That was awesome. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed the conversation. I saw the one hour mark. I was like, no, nah, I'm going to keep going. Thank like, you. We don't, like like yeah. I said, these types of conversations are so few and in between with just the state of the world. So whenever we can have a nice discussion like this, I'm very appreciative. So thank you. Um, My God, I appreciate you guys. Uh, so before we actually roll out, any other projects you're working on right now? Uh, yeah, well, I'm going to have my new album, Word of Zuby, coming out in June or July. We just wrapped up the Kickstarter project for it. Um, we reached oh, 75,885 pounds, which I believe is around $105,000 in 30 days. So thank you, Team oh. Zuby. <laughs> um, thank you for that. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, the new album is going to be coming out in a couple of months. And then in terms of things that are always going on, of course, I have my existing music, which you can find on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And I've also got my own podcast, Real Talk with Zuby, which you can check out on um, all the same platforms. And last thing, I've also got my uh, book, Strong Advice, Zuby's Guide to Fitness for Everybody, which you can find on my website, teamzuby.com. So you can check right that there. out as well. Right there. See that? <laughs> Beautiful. Bam, sign it for me. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for uh, watching another episode of Subtweet This. If you enjoyed this, hit that like and subscribe button, and we will see you in the next one. Bye, everyone. Who should we interview next on Subtweet This? Tell us in the comments below.